to Mark chapter 12. He referred to the widow woman that was given. And we've been talking for the last two weeks. This will be the, the third week, and I believe we're going to try to wrap this up today as far as, uh, as this little series goes on giving. And if you notice, we've been talking about the Lord being our provider. We've been talking about giving by faith. We've been talking about uh, recognizing all that we have as being from the Lord and giving it back to Him. We really have not spoken about tithing so much, and uh, we are going to get into that a little bit today, but I wanted to start here. Uh, what Eric and Buck, I uh, remember Buck saying it both for sure. What, what we understand is when God teaches us this truth is that it's a, it's a matter of the heart. That's always what He's interested in. And, and, and he, it's, a, it's not a question of, of Him needing something from us. I need $100, Randy. You need to give it. Well, only, if I only have $100 if God gave it to me in the first place. And so it's given to the Lord, but it's letting go of things in a, in a, by faith, in a generous way, in a spirit-led way, not haphazardly, not stupidly or foolishly, but giving uh, unto the Lord as God prompts us by His Spirit to give and not being afraid when we give, but trusting the provider. That's why we started with that two weeks ago. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And let's look at this. In Mark chapter 12, this is not a parable. It's sometimes I think we get, uh, or maybe I do, get confused at what's a parable and what's a real story. What's a real account? This is a real account. Mark 12, 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. It's not even a penny, I don't believe. And he called unto his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance. But she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. And I think what's interesting, are a lot of wonderful things in that little account, just a few verses there, but in verse 41, it's important for me to understand that it says Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. In other words, he stopped to take note. The Lord stopped and I could just see him sitting over against the wall or some step or, or someplace over to the side and he's watching. He's taking time to watch. Not that people gave, but how the people gave. And it's important to the Lord. And I want to start out this morning by saying it matters to God. Not only that His people give, but how His people give. Now the world's the world. It's lost. It needs Jesus. I'm not preaching to the world. I'm preaching to those that have been born again, washed in the blood of Jesus. But the attitude with which we give and our mindset and our heart in giving is very important to the Lord. It's very important to the Lord. And I'll just ask these. These are just rhetorical questions. Do you despise it? Do you hate hearing sermons about it? Do you hate the thought of it? Do you hate doing it? you do it sometimes because you have to do it? Do you despise it? Is it a bother? Is it just a necessary religious duty that Christians are supposed to do? And I'll get it over with kind of thing. Are we afraid that when we give to the Lord as He leads us, that we will do without? That we will not have enough to live off of? Are we afraid? Are we afraid to give our money uh, because we think we're not going to have enough when we're done? And some of the testimonies touched on that a little bit. Do you give or do I give to impress people? Because you know that some people do. I don't think that that's everybody, obviously. But some people can give to impress people. They can give uh, to where people know that they gave. They're going to make sure that people know they gave and how much they gave. And um, I can tell you this, that a lost man can put money into an offering plate. A lost man can put money into an offering plate, and they can put a lot in there sometimes, but it's not going to be motivated by faith and love for God. Uh, the Bible says that uh, in whatever is not of faith is sin. So for a lost man to give, and he's giving to impress people, He's given to be noticed by people so that he'll be thought of as being very generous or Christian or spiritual or kind. Uh, And that is his motive. Then that is sin. 
people, lost men can give and believers can do it as well. And in our giving, we can be very self-serving. Our motive can be very self-serving. But the Lord has called His people to give with joy. He's called His people to give from a glad and a thankful heart. To give to the Lord and to the work of the Lord, as I said, by faith. If it's not of faith and by faith, whatever we do in our lives, including our giving of our finances, it's not, it's sin. It's not of faith, it's sin. We're just doing it because somebody told us to do it. And I want to read a scripture here. And I know that uh, Eric may have touched on all my really good scriptures. No, I'm teasing. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 9 says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. This is in the context with giving, okay? It's within the context of giving of our finances and material things that we have. And he which sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Every man according as he is purposed in his heart. That's the key. It's very important to the Lord. It's important to us. Am I giving from a heart that is saved, knows it's saved, understands what's going on in my relationship with God? This is something that's honoring to God, pleasing to God. It's something He requires, but I'm doing it because I'm glad to do it for God. Every man, according as he's purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly. You know what I mean by grudgingly? We all do. Prying our hands off it. We're Throw it in and take it, you know. That's not the attitude that we're to have. If it is our attitude, we need to get with the Lord and He can change it. He can change our hearts. Like He can change our hearts on so many things. Um, Not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. To give and to be happy to give. Not to get and be happy to get. To give... And be happy to give. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. That means merry. That means prompt also. Quick to give. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That ye always having all sufficiency in all things. May abound to every good work. As it is written. He that dispersed abroad. uh, He hath dispersed abroad. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness remains forever. And so. You know what he's saying just in context of that? That God is able in return, you don't have to worry about your giving as far as, oh, if I give, then I'll suffer. If I give, I'll do without. He says God is able to make all grace abound to you that you always having all sufficiency, not in some things, but in all things. If you're taking notes, 2 Corinthians 6, 6 6-9, it's an awesome scripture. You... God's going to make sure that you have all sufficiency in all things. Isn't that what we, isn't that what we uh, talked about two weeks ago? But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And we looked at examples of that. Real life examples and Bible examples. I want you to turn with me if you would in Matthew chapter 6. And we'll just touch on this real quickly. Matthew 6, let's read verses 1 through 4. Part of the Sermon on the Mountain, Jesus says, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Has to do with motive, right? Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. Why? That they may be may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, himself shall reward thee openly. Now we know that passage, but it's very important. Our alms, y'all, our alms have to do Uh, There's three types of giving that I see. There might be more, but there's three common types of giving for the people of God to give. Okay, (coughs) Alms is one of them. Alms is a a gift of compassion that's exercised specifically towards the poor. Somebody that's uh, not just that has less than you. You know, there's people with more than us and people with less than us. People that are poor. Okay, And it's it's an exercise of compassion that's given to the poor. 
Okay? So that's what that means. And he says, take heed that you do not your alms before men. And he says, otherwise you have no reward of your Father in heaven. If your motive, it's very clear, it's either or, it's not half and half or part of each. If I'm doing my giving, alms, tithing, anything, cast it into the treasury like Jesus watched, and my goal and purpose is to be seen of men, so that he says these hypocrites had people sounding trumpets before them. You know, they're getting ready to give money. And, and the trumpets are blowing. And here they go. Let's all look. And like, wow, look what they gave. That was wonderful. You know, it brought tears to my eyes. If that's why they did it and how they did it, that was for a purely selfish motive. He goes on that same passage to talk about our prayers being the same way and things like that. He says, if you do that and your goal is to be seen of men, then you, you have your reward. Guess what? You did it to be seen of men. They saw you. Okay, that's it. End of equation. It goes no further than that. However much, however little, whatever you gave, it matters not to the Lord. Okay? Because you did it to be seen of men. You were seen of men. You got your reward. But he says when you, he's speaking to his people, when you give your alms, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. That's more like a figure of speech. It's, it's just saying don't make a big deal about it to other people, certainly, but not, don't even make a big deal about it to yourself and say, I sure am wonderful. Look at how I'm given. God sees. We have, that's why it has to be by faith. I have to believe that God really sees, right? He says, you have no reward. If I do it to be seen of men, I have no reward. Not a smaller reward. You have no reward of your Father in heaven. But you, when you give your alms, just give. Just give it. Okay? Give it as I direct you, the Lord says. Give it as I have prospered you and blessed you. Don't give more than I told you to. Don't give less than I told you to. Give as I lead you to give. And He says that... uh, he says, your father which sees in secret shall reward thee openly. That's just a life of faith, y'all, isn't it? That is, because all through, what if nobody saw? What if I made great sacrifice in, in my life to give to somebody, and maybe the person that I gave it to doesn't even know where it came from? You gave it anonymously. I'm not telling you how to give, other than what the Scriptures are saying. I'm not saying it has to be anonymous. I am saying that you make great sacrifice or I make great sacrifice honestly to give to someone else and, and nobody saw it. Nobody saw it. Nobody saw maybe how I labored for them in prayer for the last five years. You understand what I'm saying? And wept and prayed for them and they don't even see it. They don't even remember my name. You know what I mean? Or I gave to them. We have to believe that this Scripture is true that your Father who sees in secret shall reward you. And it won't even be a secret reward. It'll be an open reward. I think in this life, but way more importantly, I know He's speaking about eternal rewards in heaven. Okay? But He can reward us both. And He can make it public and open both. And the Bible says that uh, He that giveth, and, and this is just a Scripture note, Romans 12, 8, He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. That means like a singleness, a a humbleness, a purity of heart in doing it. He that gives, let him give with simplicity. That's a a, uh, teaching. That's a principle, okay, for how the people of God are to give. Uh, And and it has to do with our humility as well in our giving, not drawing a bunch of attention to ourselves and so forth. But believers must give by faith. And a person cannot really give themselves fully to the Lord. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I surrender all. I'm giving myself to Jesus. We can't fully give ourselves to God without giving of our finances. Because it would be a snare to us. It would be, it would be an idol to us. It would be something between here's Jesus and here's me and there's this thing in between us. And He's dealing with me about it. God is not after your money. He's not trying to make you poor and rip off everything that you have and make you lie in the dust and be miserable. He is after your heart. And the sooner He can get your heart, then He can move on and He can move you on 
to greater things that He has for you. And honestly, you cannot give yourself, and this is just as much for me, I cannot give myself fully to God without giving of my finances to the Lord. That's really what we talked about last week. And so, um, <coughs> the, the attitude has to be that of all that I have comes from you. I have to see that. What have you that you did not, that you have not received? We looked at that last week just quickly. What, why, then, then why do you boast as though you didn't receive it? Everything we have comes from God. If I have two healthy legs to stand up behind this pulpit, it's because God gave me two healthy legs to stand behind the pulpit. If I have a voice that I can speak, whether you like my voice or I like my I have a voice to speak the Word of God, it's because God gave me a voice to speak His Word. And everything that's in our banking accounts, everything is His. He doesn't require it all necessarily at every, every moment, but it's way better just to give it to Him to start off. Then when He does require something, it's not like it's a bother. It's not like it hurts. It's not like it's a pain uh, because it's already been given to Him. It's a wonderful way to live. Can't say that I'm perfectly there, but like our, our friends that testified today uh, before the sermon, I'm learning that. I've learned that as well. Dee and I have learned that in our lives. It has nothing to do, y'all. And this is important. It has nothing to do with whether you have a lot or little. That's not the point. So don't think, well, I don't have much. I don't have as much as Eric and Stacy or Buck and Rachel or whoever. Uh, it's, it's not to compare ourselves. God's dealing with your life and your heart. It has nothing to do with whether you have much or little. And I would go crazy, and so would you, if we went through life comparing ourselves to everyone around us, even in church. Financially, uh, sense of humor, athletic abilities, anything. You know, we compare ourselves, we go nuts with all that. Leave that to God. He made me the way He made me. He blessed me with what He blessed me with. Live your life and be thankful. Every one of us deserves hell. Okay? So He's been kind to us and gracious to us and blessed us. It's not a question of much or little. It's the point of it hanging on to my heart or me giving it from my heart. And that's what's important to the Lord. All that I have is from you and I place this in your hands. That's what the widow woman was doing with the two mites. You have to imagine, there. we see the little picture there, but she left the temple that day, didn't she? And if she cast in, the Bible says, all of her living, she cast in what she had. Well, there's a second chapter to that that the Bible doesn't tell us, but He tells us in other places. She left there. Somebody had to take care of her, right? You think God took care of her? If Jesus is noticing how she gives and commends her for that, you think He's going to let her go out and starve to death? She's the only one, as far as those that Jesus was looking at that He talked about, that left actually having to depend upon God for her sustenance and for her life and for her provision. Same thing for the widow woman in Elijah's day. Remember we talked about it last week uh, with the, the drought and the famine. Go and get, go to Zarephath and I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. He gets there. He says, would you give me a little water? No, by the way, uh, would you get me a little, oh, a little cake of bread first? She goes, as the Lord lives, all I got is a handful of meal and a little cruise of oil and I'm going to go make myself and my son a cake and we're going to eat it and then we're going to die because that's all we have and there's a famine and a drought. This is not a parable either. It's a true story. And Elijah goes, do, do what you said, but first make one for me. He wasn't being selfish. I believe it was a test for her. And he goes, according to the word of the Lord, the meal is not going to run out and the cruise of oil is not going to fail until God sends rain on the earth. Now, I need to hang on to that. And I need to believe that. Stock market could crash today. Your 401k, your retirement, everything you've worked for financially, bam, it's gone. It's in the dust. It's gone to zero. And God is going to take care of you. The meal is not going to run out. The cruise of oil will not fail until God sends rain on the earth. I have to believe it. But I have to believe it by faith and know He is my provider. And He's going to supply all of my needs. Amen? He's always going to provide for me. And so the first week we talked about, two, two weeks ago, Jehovah Jireh, meeting all of our needs. Last week we talked about being stewards. 
The steward is a caretaker, an overseer, almost like an administrator. Then all that we have, even our health, our bodies, our homes, our cars, all of it is basically on loan from the Lord that He's allowed us to use. Even our children. They're my children, but they're God's children. He actually loves them more than I do. And I'm responsible to be the steward of my children in, in everyday life. So we talked about that last week. And then this week we're, we're zeroing in more about tithing. And I want to read a scripture. The word tithe means a tenth. We know that. But that's what it means. And the people of God are to... The tithe actually belongs to God. So I've, heard, I've actually heard ministers say to pay your tithes. And in one sense, I understand what they mean by that. Because the tithe is not an option to, where, where an offering or an almsgiving might be more um, as the Spirit's leading and directing kind of thing. But the, the tithes belong to God. It's His. And I, I know Eric read it, but I want us to turn to it and read it in Malachi 3. And I want to make a little a biblical uh, case here from the Bible about tithing. Malachi 3, 8-11. And I'm just going to read the first half of the verse 11. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. Now this is God's talking here. He's talking to His people. You've robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? His answer, in tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse. For ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. That there may be meat in my house. And prove me now here with, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. I'm just going to stop right there. goes on to talk more about what the devourer, he's not going to let him do to them. Now, I read this passage, and I've heard some people say two things, and they're both true. That's an Old Testament <coughs> scripture, it is, and that he was speaking to Israel, and he was. But that, we still need to understand we don't throw it in, out and discount it from our lives because it was spoken in the Old Testament. The just shall live by faith was spoken in the Old Testament too. The Lord saying, look unto me and be saved was spoken in the Old Testament too. You understand what I'm saying? So we have to be careful. We're not under the law. Nobody's trying to put you under the law. But I want to talk about tithing for just a moment. You know, we've been at church for a little over a year and a half now, and I have not preached on giving. And I'll be honest, we have a very giving church. People tithe. They get it already, way before this. And I know the Lord led me at this time to do this. Uh, there was a preacher friend of ours that Dee and I had who used to travel and sing. This was probably, honestly, about 30 years, 25 or 30 years ago. And we heard him sharing a little story. He's from Louisiana. He preached in Arkansas and all over. He was in the middle of, uh, about to start a sermon one day, and it was quiet, and everybody was looking at him. He reached under the pulpit, pulled out a handgun, set it on top of the, the, uh, the uh, pulpit. Needless to say, it got everyone's attention. Everybody's looking. This is before all the church shootings and all that stuff, okay? He sets it on the pulpit, and uh, people are looking at him this wide-eyed and wondering what in the world's going on. He says, you know what? Um, if you people rob God, there's no telling what you do to me. I got this gun here for protection. And so he was just making a good point. Uh, the Lord says, you've robbed me. Okay, you've robbed me. Where have you been robbed you? He doesn't beat around the bush, he says, in your tithes and offerings. You've robbed me. He goes, I want you to bring the tithes to the storehouse that there be meat at my table. And then you try me and see if I won't pour blessings upon you so much you won't be able to contain them. That's what he's saying. He does not need our money. He's not after our money. It's he's after our faith in him, our trust in him, giving our hearts to him. And we can't discount this and say, well, it was just Old Testament. Okay? So I want to talk just for a moment about this. Where do we see tithing in the Bible? Where do we see it? 
is not mentioned in a million places, but the places it is mentioned, it's mentioned, and it's mentioned very clearly. And so I want you to start with me. We read that in Malachi. That's actually the middle one. But I want you to go to Genesis chapter 14. Because if we say tithing is more of the law, and when people say the law, I think typically they mean the, the law of Moses, okay, the Ten Commandments, and all the, 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 the law that was given on Mount Sinai. I want you to turn to Genesis 14. And they say, we're not under the law. And I say, amen, we're not. And honestly, I've never been a Hebrew and I never was under the law like that. But look at Genesis 14. Now, this is the story or the account where uh, there were some kings that came and invaded Sodom and Gomorrah. And they, they stole everything from Sodom and Gomorrah. They took them all hostage, all the people. Well, who did that include? That included Lot, a lot, Abraham's nephew and his family. And so all their stuff and all their children and all their things and they didn't kill them. They took it all. You know, take it back home for a spoil. A bunch of kings got together. And so God gives Abraham, he was a mighty man. He actually had like a, a, his own army where he had trained his servants and hired servants. They went after him and got him. They went after and defeated those kings and got Lot and everybody and everything and brought it back. I mean, it was an amazing thing. And it says here in Genesis 14, 18, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. He wasn't some idolatrous priest. No, this is 400, about 440 years before the law. This is why I'm reading this. Okay? This wasn't under the law. About 440 years, and the Bible says Abraham believed God, it was counted unto him for righteousness before the law. Okay? And so he was the priest of the Most High God. So there was a real priest. Jesus is after the order, a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And it says, And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram, Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which should deliver thine enemies into thine hand. And he, as Abraham, gave him tithes of all. So whatever they recovered, and they probably recovered all plus some. Abraham got everything back, plus took from the enemy. And he gave a tenth, 440 years before the law, roughly, a tenth of all to the priest of the Most High God. So there's a teaching and a principle. You can't say, well, that's just law. That's just the law of Moses, and we're not under that. That was well before the law was given. But the Bible says that his descendants paid tithes in Abraham that later when the census was coming, they would pay their tithes because it was an act of faith on Abraham's part. Now, one more scripture about this. Uh, look at Matthew 23. So we're going to look at a New Testament scripture. Matthew 23, 23. It may sound a little odd, but uh, he says in Matthew 23, 23, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. So he's dealing with the hypocrites in his day. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. So these were spices and things like that. You pay tithe of these things and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done and not left the other undone. Okay. They say, well, that's kind of a... You might think that's not the strongest argument in the world for tithing. But it is an argument for tithing. You understand what I mean? Whether we think it's a strong one or not, it's there. He is saying to the hypocrites, you, you paid your tithes, but you omitted what's important to God, judgment and mercy and kindness. You didn't do that. You should have done the judgment and mercy and not left the other undone. In other words, you should have tithed of your mint and common. And you understand that? So here's my point from that. Uh, I firmly believe in tithing. I believe that it is a biblical principle we see it in the Old Testament. We see it before the law was given, during the law, in Malachi's day. We see it after the law when Jesus came, or in the New Testament when Jesus came. He didn't rebuke them for tithing. He did not instruct them not to tithe. So if you think, well, that's kind of a... Uh, it's not the strongest Scripture in the world. When you put them all together and look at it, I can tell you this, there's not a scripture in the Bible, Old or New Testament, where God tells you not to tithe. I know that. 
There's not one in this Bible where you Old or New Testament where the Lord discourages people from tithing. So if the clearest instruction we have, Old or New Testament, we're still the people of God. I'm not under the sacrifices. I'm not on the law for, under the law for righteousness. The law couldn't justify me anyway, nor could it justify Old Testament believers. They were justified by faith. I'm justified by faith. And I can give by faith as well. And I'm instructed to. We're going to look at some more scriptures. Uh, Eric read some. We'll, we'll look at some more scriptures that deal with New Testament church giving and believe, believers giving. But I just think it was important to, to see that. Uh, offering. When, Jesus, when the Lord says, you've robbed me with your tithes and offerings. There is in the Bible, again, Old and New Testament, an offering that is above and beyond the tithe. The tithe is the 10%. The tithe is uh, from our increase. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. The offering is above that as the Holy Spirit leads. I can't tell you how to offer. I can tell you how to tithe because the Scriptures tell us how to tithe. And telling you how to offer or give alms, these are both free will offerings, it would have to be you give in obedience to God as He's prompting your heart. Buck said they learned two things, never to say no, and that they learned they never regretted it after they did. Dee and I will be sitting around the house a lot of times just out of the blue and say, we need to give to somebody right now. No rhyme or reason other than the Lord. I agree, let's give. She's wonderful because she never says, um, you really think so or anything like that. She's 100% whether we're having a tough time or something like that financially or not. Yeah, you're right. What's the Lord put on your heart? Well, He put this much on my heart. That's the same thing He put on my heart. We're not making it up. He really does that. And you cannot outgive God. And you give to Him. Those are free will offerings. It's not our tithes. Those are alms and offerings above and beyond. And so, uh, you know, given to missions, given to an outreach, given to get a building built, given uh, to the poor. Again, that's the alms. From your heart, as the Lord both provides for you and enables you to do it. Okay? As He provides and enables. I just want to read a couple of scriptures real quickly. And we're going to be bringing this to a close. It is a matter, y'all, of the heart. And so listen to these scriptures. Um, Exodus 25.2 Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart ye shall take my offering. He wanted it from every man, but he said, I want you to speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. Here's who you're to take it from. Of every man, this is not the tithe, of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart ye shall take my offering. That's who I want you to receive it from. If you've got to go beg somebody or threaten them, you know, or pry their hands or shame them to do it, don't do it. I want you to take my offering from people who are from their hearts given gladly. Here's another scripture in Exodus. Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it. An offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass. This is when they were going to build the uh, tabernacle. And they needed supplies for it, for the furniture and the golden altar of incense and all the stuff that had to be built in, built in the Ark of the Covenant. And, and they, the people just came and they gave and they came everyone whose heart stirred him up, everyone whom his, whom his spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation and for all his service and for the holy garments. Another, another scripture. The children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord. Every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. You see, that's very consistent that the offering is from our hearts. God doesn't want it if it's not from your heart. He doesn't need it. Just like the sacrifices that the Hebrews brought when they're in the middle of committing adultery and murder and idolatry and everything else, they bring the offering. The Lord says, I'm sick of your offerings. I'm sick of your fasts. I'm sick of what you think is pleasing to me and your religious things. Yeah, those are things that I've asked, I've required to do under the law, but your heart is so wrong and perverted. I'm sick of your feasts that you keep unto me. 
And God wants our heart to be right in our given to Him. Amen? In our given to Him. And I don't have time to read it, but you know, in the book of Acts, it talks about, in Acts chapter 2, and it gives Barnabas for an example. And nobody in the early church had need of anything because people were selling what they had and distributing it, distributing it among the people. It wasn't just that this guy didn't have uh, a, plat, you know, a big uh, flat screen TV and this one had two. There were people with needs in the early church. And so people so from those that had more, they gave and then every need was met and they did it willingly. It was not a command that we see from the Lord or the apostles of the church. And Barnabas sold all that he had and brought it, the price of it, and laid it at the apostles' feet. You know what that was? That was a free will offering. It wasn't a tithe. It wasn't something that he was instructed to do in the sense of a commandment from the Lord. But the Lord put it on his heart to do it. And he responded and gave gladly and in that way. And so, you know, the people that, that argue against tithing, in other words, they think it's biblical or that's Old Testament. That's not for New Testament believers. Again, I don't see any scripture that tells me not to tithe. The only scriptures I do see tell, lay that as a principle. I see it as a principle. I see tithing as a starting point. That's where I start. How do I know how much to give and, and where to start? I just got saved. I don't know anything. Well, the Bible describes tithing. Okay, that's where you would start. And so it's easy to say, and people that don't tithe, it's easy to say, well, I don't believe in tithing. I think it's Old Testament. I believe it all belongs to God. It's easy to say that, but if you looked at their giving, which I don't, or looked at their checkbook, they're probably not giving it all to God. You understand what I'm saying? That sounds very spiritual. It all belongs to God. But we see that it's, it, God gives tithing as a starting point. It's biblical. It's, it's orderly. And God's a God of order. It's not chaotic. Eric gives this much and, and next family gives this. And they're all over the place. Uh, tithe is, means a tenth. That's what it means. So it's orderly. And it's a practice by which people can, of God can give back to God out of what He's blessed them with. The tithe comes, y'all. Uh, the tithe comes from the increase. And that's, that's the teaching. You tithe from your increase. So y'all understand what that means. You, you, you and I are blessed in some way. Our regular paycheck, that's an increase. Uh, somebody give, we receive an inheritance. Uh, somebody gives us a gift at you know, a big gift at Christmas time or a bonus or something. However, we're increased. If we bought a house and we lived in it and we sold it and we made a whole this much money on it, I believe that that's an increase. And I believe we can tithe from that or to tithe from that. And I said it last week, we've got to teach our children that. We've got to teach them that the tithe belongs to the Lord. Somebody literally gives them $5 on their birthday. You know, 50 cents of that is the Lord's. Explain it to them. Tell them the hope and the joy in giving. Don't be like you're just stealing it from their hand, but teach them what it means. Because it, it might be $5 and a 50 cent tithe today, and it might be 500,000, you know, and 5,000 tithe in a few years when they're working and God's blessing them. But if that is set in their hearts, no, 50,000. The principle of tithing. I know y'all are going to get me on that. Uh, that we, we give. And that's a starting point. That's all it is. It's a starting point. And it belongs to the Lord. And so just in closing, uh, I want to talk about a few things. How do we give? When do we give? To whom do we give? That was answered in that Malachi passage. To whom? And this is God's order. And I'm going to start with to whom. The Lord says, bring the tithes, all the tithes, into the storehouse. And how does that relate to us as Christians? And what does it mean? We don't have a temple. We don't have a tabernacle. Uh, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. The tithes to me, and I've heard it taught this, this way and I believe it, is where you are being ministered to and fed spiritually. We're talking about the tithe. We're not talking about giving an offering to Samaritan's Purse, which we ought to as God leads us. 
okay? Franklin Graham's ministry or whatever. Uh, the tithes come to the storehouse. The tithes, is, tithes are, go to where I'm being fed, to my local church body. That, that's, that would be relating to us. And um, God blesses us for doing that. It's, it's uh, where God blesses us and where we're being blessed, and that's where we give. Think about it. That, that would make sense, right? That would be God's order for, for, for me to tithe here and you to tithe here. Um, and so up, above that, you know, if, we, if we're giving to and sowing our money that God blessed us with unto ungodly ministries, things that are heretical or false doctrine or, or someone that's maybe even preaches sound doctrine, but they're living in adultery. We know they're living in adultery. And we're sowing to that. Or they're taking the money that's given there. They're using it to promote some ungodly cause globally or something like that. We will answer to God for that. We'll answer to God for that. It's important how we tithe to whom we tithe. They were doing it rightly. A couple of scriptures here. Again, we're going to be wrapping this up. 2 Corinthians 9, if you're taking notes, 10 and 11. I'm going to go ahead and read it. Now, he that ministereth seed to the sower. And this... The sense with the sower would be the, the one who's bringing the gospel and the word of God. He that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for your food and multiply seed, your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. And so you're ministering seed to the sower, to the local body to a local minister to where uh, you know that's the, the local place where you're being fed first uh, Corinthians 9 9 through 11 for it is written in the law of Moses first Corinthians 9 9 through 11 it is written in the law of Moses thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn does God take care for oxen or saith it altogether for our sakes for our sakes no doubt this is written that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be a partaker of this hope. If listen, this Paul's including himself and Barnabas and Silas and the ministers of the gospel. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? He's just given a, t- a blessing, a principle here. And this, skip down to verse fourteen. Even so, hath the Lord ordained, God has ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. They should live off of that. And this is not something that's necessarily like comfortable to stand up here and preach. I just want to give you God's word. I don't harp on this. I have no intention of harping on it. I don't think about it. Okay? But my point is, we're doing a sermon in a series on tithing and offering. How to give. When to give. To whom do I give? It's being laid out here. And so, when do we give? We give orderly again. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 1 and 2, now concerning the collection for the saints. Speaking of New Testament churches, concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the other churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, at Sunday, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there be no gathering when I come. Again, it's just the order. It's just you see the orderly fashion of it. It's not chaotic. They're not throwing gold coins across the, the room. They're coming prepared. They pray. They know what they're going to give. They're laying it out before the Lord. And they're having it set aside and it's ready. They know who it's going to. They know when it's going to be given. And it's given in an orderly fashion. Okay? And so the last thing, how should we give our attitude? We've talked about it in all three of these sermons. It has to be with joy. It has to be with thanksgiving. It has to be as unto the Lord. But this I say, he's, um, well, I read at the beginning, it says that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. He loves that. He loves that. He loves a cheerful <laughs> giver. And, you know, you've heard people say, maybe you've heard people say, maybe you've said it yourself. Maybe I said it myself at some time. I don't think I have because the Lord taught me this early. But, I can't afford to tithe. Just right now, I believe in it. I just can't afford to tithe. Uh, you better learn the principle of tithing. 
because there is a devourer, the Bible says. In other words, there is a curse. That, I'm not saying you're lost and going to hell. I'm talking about you're going to find yourself struggling and beating your head, head against the wall trying to get caught up or ahead financially. And you'll never be able to do it and you'll wonder why. Because you're trying to live off the 100% when you ought to be trying to live off 90% and give the 10 to God. And can I tell you by experience and by the Word of God and by the testimony of others that you can live far greater and better off the 90% than trying to hold on to it all and live off the 100%. That is an absolute truth. I'm not making that up. That is a truth. You have sown much, God said, and bring in little. Tell me if that sounds familiar. You've sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You, you, clothe, you, put, you clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into bags with holes. That's Haggai 1.6. Pretty impressive, right? I mean, pretty straightforward. Can you imagine? I'm working, I'm going to take that extra shift. I'm going to work double. And then where you're, where you're putting your money has a hole in the bag. So you can work, to, you can work ten shifts over and it's going to keep pouring out the other end. He wants us to wake up. He's not after that money. He's after my heart. You give me what belongs to me. It belongs to me. It's not yours. It's mine. My tithes. My offerings. You bring them to me. And then you sit back and see if I won't pour out upon your life blessings that you're going to just be amazed. You need bigger room. You can't contain it all. I'm not just talking about money, although I'm including money. It's going to be the joy, the giving spirit from your heart, the liberality. Hey, God, it really is more blessed to give than to receive. I used to hang on to every penny. It was so hard to give to a missionary and I'd throw two bucks in the plate or something like that. Now I'm giving. And it's wonderful. And I'm being blessed because it's just exactly like the Word of God said. Amen? Exactly like the Word of God said. And in the last Scripture... Y'all can turn with me if you want to. First Chronicles. I was reading, just happened to be reading this this morning. I said, I'm going to, the Lord wants me to include that this morning. First Chronicles chapter 29. I'm going to skip through. David. David's about to go be with the Lord. The Lord's about to call him home. He's an old man. He's turned over the reign to Solomon. And he's made the preparations to build the temple. And they gathered all the supplies together. And he's given some little charges here. And I'm going to skip around, but look at 1 Chronicles 29, verse 9. Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly. He said, everybody that, y'all, there's, my son's a little green behind the, you know, wet behind the ears. He, my son is, is just young and tender. And I've been this old man, this old man of war and I've, I've lived a long, hard life. And my son's getting ready to be king. And there's a huge project before him. <coughs> to build the temple. He's not even just building a palace for himself. He's building a, a temple for Almighty God. And it's a big job. And God gave me the pattern to the whole thing. In detail. The dimensions. the Everything. The altar. The outer court. The furniture. The, the gold spoons. The, everything. God gave David the whole pattern like He did Moses for the tabernacle. And, he, and, he, he, and during David's end of his years, he, he gathered up supplies, but he said, there's still going to be more that's needed. But this is of God, people. I'm getting ready to die. We need to help Solomon out. You know, had the priests all lined up. Who was going to do everything on this month? This group of priests does it. And this month, it was all set. Everything was in place. And they're getting ready to build a temple. And he, it says, then the people rejoiced. And they'd ought to be joyful. For they, offered, for they that offered willingly, because with a perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. It's just joy all the way around when we give. And the person that's being given to and the person that's given and God in heaven. It's a joy. It just brings joy all the way around. Verse 14. But who am I and what is my people David says that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort. For all things come of Thee. See, he realized that. Last week we talked about it. All things come from Thee. And of Thine own have we given Thee. We're just giving back to You 
what you gave us. Two more scriptures, 16 and 17. These altars would be open. Oh Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee a house for thine holy name cometh of thine hand and is all thine own. I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and has pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now have I seen with joy thy people, which are present here, to offer willingly unto thee. I know, Lord, you're really looking at my heart. And I want you to know that from my heart, with great joy, that's how I've given it. And I'm so excited because all the people are doing the same thing and from the same way. I'm not, this, is not, this sermon is not a rebuke to anybody. It's not a, uh, anything. If, if the Holy Spirit's dealing with you about something and you haven't learned to tithe and practiced it, then let the Lord teach you and show you. But this is an encouragement that we give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with what measure you meet or give, it shall be meted unto you again. So let's stand, y'all, and just worship the Lord this morning. Let's use this altar that we have as a place to meet with God. This was rendered to the Lord. I don't want the devourer upon your life. I can promise you, God doesn't want the devourer upon your life. You eat and you're not filled. You, you put on clothes and you're not warm. You make money and, and, and you're putting it with bag with holes in it. Father, we don't want that in our lives. We want the blessings of God. And you want our heart to be right with you. Lord, we're stewards. We're not owners of anything in this life. We're stewards of what you blessed us with. I thank you for these that testified today. I know I could have called on many others that could have shared the same testimony of the goodness of God as they've been faithful in their giving and what you've taught them. Teach us all, God. Let us walk in this truth. When it's time to offer something, you lead us. Don't be it like you have to get a, a crowbar and pry our hands open. Let us give generously, wisely, orderly. Let us sow a seed into good ministry and good, uh, good storehouses of God for your glory and honor. I pray for those that are struggling maybe financially that you bless them. That you bless them also in teaching them this truth, God. We love you and we thank you, dear God. Thank you, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord.